Episode 48. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanmerty. In spite of the rather juicier information with which Polonius teased the king in the previous episode, Claudius is ready now to hear from Voltamand and Cornelius, who have returned from Norway. To recap, since we last heard about this political situation all the way back in Act 1, Fortinbras, nephew of the King of Norway, has been acting up and swaggering, raising an army and threatening Denmark. So, Claudius has sent the two trusty ambassadors, Cornelius and Voltamand, to suppress his gate and check in with the Norwegian king and put a stop to this. Now they have returned, and Claudius wants to know what news. This is the reply. Most fair return of greetings and desires. Upon our first, he sent out to suppress his nephew's levies, which to him appeared to be a preparation against the Polak, but better looked into, he truly found it was against your highness, whereat grieved that so his sickness, age, and impotence was falsely borne in hand, sends out arrests on Fortinbras, which he, in brief, obeys, receives rebuke from Norway, and in fine, makes vow before his uncle never more to give the assay of arms against your majesty. Whereon old Norway, overcome with joy, gives him three thousand crowns in annual fee, and his commission to employ those soldiers, so levied as before, against the Polak, with an entreaty, herein further shown, that it might please you to give quiet pass through your dominions for this enterprise, on such regards of safety and allowance as therein are set down. So, most fair return of greetings and desires is an appropriately formal response from the foreign king. Norway reciprocates Denmark's greetings and returns the good wishes. Voltamand reports that, resulting from their very first meeting with the king, he put a stop to his nephew's efforts to raise this army, which he'd been led to believe were a preparation against the king of Poland. Upon our first, he sent out to suppress his nephew's levies, which to him appeared to be a preparation against the Polak. But better looked into, he truly found it was against your highness. But once the ambassadors brought Fortinbras manoeuvres to the attention of the king, it was made clear that he was indeed trying to raise this army to fight against Denmark. The old king is upset at this, and embarrassed that old age and comparative weakness had been so manipulated by the younger king. But better looked into, he truly found it was against your highness, whereat, grieved that so his sickness, age, and impotence was falsely borne in hand, sends out arrests on Fortinbras, which he in brief obeys, receives rebuke from Norway, and in fine makes vow before his uncle, never more to give the say of arms against your majesty. So, old Norway puts a stop to Fortinbras, and brings him back to court to be chastised for this upstart behaviour. Voltamand doesn't make too much of a big deal about it, but the long and the short of it is that Fortinbras is made to promise that he will never again take up arms against Denmark or King Claudius. 
What's rather nice for Fortinbras here is that this show of loyalty and good behaviour is rather lucrative. His uncle, the king, gives him something like a salary of 3,000 crowns, no small fee, and permission to continue working with this army that he's put together. But instead of going up against Denmark, they will go and attack Poland. Whereon old Norway, overcome with joy, gives him 3,000 crowns in annual fee, and his commission to employ those soldiers so levied as before against the Polak. The king is happy, presumably Fortinbras is delighted that he will get to go to wage his war after all, and Denmark's ambassadors have deftly prevented an attack on their country and secured an attack on their neighbours instead. For any listeners of Polish ancestry, I do want to mention here that the word Polak in Shakespeare does not carry the negative connotations that the word developed in the United States a few centuries later. Having been so accommodating and immediate in his goodwill towards the Danish visitors, it is not very surprising that the King of Norway might send them back to Claudius with some small terms or requests, and sure enough they appear now as Voltamand pulls out a little piece of paper. It details Norway's request that Fortinbras and his army be allowed to pass through Denmark on their way to this war in Poland. An entreaty, herein further shown, that it might please you to give quiet pass through your dominions for this enterprise, on such regards of safety and allowance as therein are set down. In the grand scheme of things, Hamlet is not a play about an upstart prince going to war in a foreign country. Of course it's not. But this little bit of the story is very important, because Fortinbras does undergo his own journey over the course of the play, a lot of it reported by others admittedly, and he exists as a contrast to Hamlet. Nephew to the king, full of frustration at his position, and eagerness to take his place on the world stage. They are similar in these. The safe passage requested in this document actually makes its way across the stage during the play, when Hamlet sees the Norwegian army on the march. In fact, it prompts the last of his seven soliloquies. Shakespeare is laying the track here for the train that will roll through in several scenes' time. No surprise, then, that Claudius agrees to Norway's request. It likes us well, and at our more considered time we'll read, answer, and think upon this business. Meantime, we thank you for your well-took labour. Go to your rest. At night, we'll feast together. Most welcome home. It's a home run, essentially, for the Danish diplomatic corps. The potential crisis has been averted, the situation managed, and the request that came back was easily granted, safe passage through the country. Whether it's his usual efficiency or his particular eagerness to get to the next item on his, or perhaps Polonius' agenda, there's room for some fun in the playing of how Claudius wraps things up with these two ambassadors. He's nice and friendly and grateful for their service. He says everything he should say, but has no interest in continuing to discuss the matter now, not to mention crafting a response to Norway. If you're in any doubt about Claudius rushing, look at the order of the verbs Shakespeare has him promised to do. He'll first read, then answer, and then think. Not perhaps the wisest order in which to conduct international affairs. He'll do all this at his more considered time. He sends the two emissaries off to rest with the promise that he'll feast with them that evening. The drinking at Claudius's court would seem to be ongoing. 
Now, the newest Arden Shakespeare suggests that the words labour and together are a rhyming couplet that gives finality to Claudius's reply to these two others, and certainly his most welcome home is the end of their scene. Baltimand and Cornelius make their exit, and finally the king and queen can hear from Polonius just what is going on with Hamlet. Alas, I've already gone slightly over the usual 20 lines or so for this episode, so Polonius's bulletin will have to wait until the next podcast. As ever, thank you so much for listening, and indeed for the lovely ratings that you've been giving in the iTunes store. I'm really delighted to hear from you and that you're finding the podcast informative and, I hope, enjoyable. Next week, it'll be a whole year since the Hamlet podcast launched, and I'm grateful to each and every one of you for staying tuned. Be sure to check out the website, as you know by now, thehamletpodcast.com, for more information, and I'll speak to you next week.